Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets to Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hello, everyone. Mary Kate Saliva here with you on Veteran Voices. Thanks for joining us today as we've got a wonderful conversation teed up with a veteran, pretty badass veteran and advocate. Stay tuned for a great discussion. I'm going to just do a quick programming note before we get started. This program is part of the Supply Chain Now program, Family of Programming, and today's show is conducted in partnership with our friends at Vets to Industry. Shout out to Brian Arrington. And learn more about this powerful nonprofit that is serving so many folks at bestsindustry.org. An initiative that is near and dear to my heart, the Guam Human Rights Initiative. You can find them on LinkedIn and at the University of Guam under the Regional Center for Public Policy. So without further ado, I have been waiting a while to get this guy on this podcast. So let's introduce our guest today. Our guest today works Actually, you know, we're uh, tag teaming buddies. I don't know what I'd do without him with the Project Management Institute. He's also a Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, and an Army veteran. So let's welcome in Matt Quick, the famous Woo! Matt Quick. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I really want some intro music. You know, I was watching wrestling this weekend and Steve Austin, the glass breaks. I want to, that's what I want my intro music to be one day. One I day, know, like the Quentin Tarantino, where you got the fire going. Yeah, up. something cool. Cars going up in there. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's just too funny. I I really am. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're doing a million different things, volunteering as well as with what we're doing at PMI, and so just really wanted to pump this up because I know you know what rank you got out at. So I know that in your leadership position. You're all about motivating young young service members. So you have a motivational quote that you could start us off with today. I actually have two, if you don't mind, Mary. No. And then one is very old from Ben Franklin. And what that is is he says, "Tell me, and I forgot. Teach me, and I remember. Involve me, and I learn." That is to me pretty powerful because if you're in the weeds, if you're if you're have people involved. That's how they learn the most. My second one, it's more current. That's more for Richard Branson. Train people well enough so they can leave, but treat them well enough so they don't want to. I love that. I love that. And where did you end up picking those quotes up? Was, was that something that so they were they were years on? they were years ago. I think it was a book I read or something like that. But of course, Richard Branson was very a very popular right. quote. But I use them in a job I used to have as director of people and culture which was those quotes were powerful back then. I was thinking you were going to end up quoting some famous general and leaning off in cadence and start doing push-ups. If you want me to. 
I can do six push-ups. <laughs> we're gonna keep on going because I don't want to have to do them with you. So we're gonna. <laughs> so I really uh, want to take this opportunity to get to know you. I know you have a huge LinkedIn presence, but I'm sure listeners stay be really curious about where it all began for Matt Quick. So if you could take us, I don't want to say way way back, but you know how back we're going here. But it's way back. You, is it way back? <laughs> But where'd so you grow I, up? Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid, basically. So I grew up in a small town called Rosendale, New York, in Highland, New York. That's upstate New York for the New York Cityers, downstate from your upstaters. So it's great. It's like an album of the city. Great area. A lot of love in the family. Middle class, maybe lower middle class, maybe poor at times. Uh, I remember growing up and having... We had a we had a we had a a supermarket next to our house, so I would my parents would give me some money to go get some like uh, lettuce or bread, and I, they gave me this money. And it was it was colorful money. I'm like this is it's like Monopoly money. It's pretty cool. I didn't realize back then it was food stamps, no. but it was cool though. So now I own the same. I own the food stamps that I used to buy bread and and, and lettuce with. I own it because I got it from eBay one day. <laughs> you got it off eBay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Plug, plug eBay in there. Wow. It's, well, when where did you end up growing up just in one place or did you move around a lot as a kid? I was not a military kid. So I grew up in the same county my whole life. We had three different houses and my house burned down when I was like 12 years old too. So I had to oh, deal wow. with that. But that was a whole different story. Uh, you know, kids can be mean, but house burns down and you have uh, people take up donations and you go back to school. And people ask for the clothes back. That's hard to deal with, but you know, you get, you get thick skin uh, yeah. as a kid, though. Yeah, especially at, at twelve years old. And uh, did you end up having like all your family in one place too, like your extended family too? We all. So my 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 mom's side was apple farmers. They own a lot of apple farms in New York. Oh, so I that love was that. more. Of a, it was awesome. I would go to my grandma's house. We would just go to the apple farm right across the street. Eat an apple, one bite, throw it away. One bite, throw it away. So wasteful. But we were kids, yeah. though. <laughs> then my dad's side of family was more like, you know, lower class, but, you know, were hard workers. Just didn't, didn't right. make any money. So it was a mix. So it was, it was a good to have both sides or live in the middle. And uh, loved going, I loved going to my grandma's house every weekend and getting McDonald's. That was a treat. Oh, is this the same grandma that you found money in a card recently? Yes. And I have the card right over there. So she gave me the card. It was like, that, I was like, oh, six or oh, seven. I just found it last week or week, or week ago. So funny. She passed away in 2015. Uh, she was 84 years old, but uh, these things happen. But right. I found that. I'm like, oh, you got me. The last word is yours, grandma. Because <laughs> hiding right underneath the card, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that, you know, because I just really have that kind of closeness with my grandmother, too. But even the apple orchard, that really takes me back to some of my childhood memories. Uh, One of my dearest friends had her family is on an apple orchard as well. And we had one down the road and we used to just play and just stay out there all night. It's like, never mind sleeping indoors. We just wanted to sleep out in the orchard. Right. Under the stars. (laughs) The bonfires. And eat apples. Yeah. <laughs> apple butter. I mean, there's so many things you could do with an apple. But yeah, what are some some of those anecdotes that you have from, from your childhood? Do you have any sort of lessons learned that you have from that time? 
I, I guess resiliency is one of the big things. You know, my house burning down, that was a, a tough thing, losing all my toys. You know, I was a big wrestling yeah. fan growing up, so we had these, these Hulk Hogan and, and Ric Flair figures and, and right. Big John Stud, and they were just one glob of mess after the fire. I had these, these sports cards, Michael Jordan 86 Fleer cards pinned on my wall like a dummy, but they're all gone now, you know? But resilience, you have a kid. But one of the things, like sports, I was big into sports. I wasn't very good. I was just big into sports. And I think it was my senior year or my junior year, I was playing basketball at a small, a small school. We traveled for one game. I had a bad attitude. I really did. I thought I was God's gift to sports, but I was not that good. So I would try to maybe hurt people during the game for no reason at all. I had a bad attitude. So this is one of the reasons, Mary Kay, I joined the Marine Corps. My dad was a Marine. My brother was a Marine. I needed the Marine Corps more than it needed me. Wow. And I didn't know that you had, you were a generational Marine. So you said, you said your dad was too, but you didn't grow up in, in like the military lifestyle though. Was he out before you, as yeah, before you were born? He spent about a year in the military. It wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. He had a bad family life back uh, in New York. So he had to deal with, deal with things when you're away from your family, they're, right. they pull your strings so hard. So he had to get out at a hardship. So but right. we still respected the service. My brother Absolutely. joined and I joined. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. Now, I know that your kids did not join, but you said you haven't lost hope yet, right? So I haven't learned. So I'm a, I'm a fifth generation service member. Uh, and I was I was proud of that. My grandma actually served in the Army Women Corps back in oh, World I War II. Oh, my granddad served in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska during World War II as a one of those candid people lost his hearing. But but my, I was hoping my kids would join, just one of them. But one one just graduated college, so I'm, I'm talking about the Air, uh, Space Force right now. Just do something, man. Come on, make me proud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like even even the one one and done, right? One contract. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about your, your time in the Marine Corps. Cause I, I know I mentioned earlier in the episode that you're also an army veteran, but I know there's a, a transition story there, even from going from some people might not even call it green to green, right. Going from Marine Corps to army, but what, tell us about that. What, what led you to join besides the, the family legacy? So funny story. So I spent four years in the Marine Corps. I had a great time, but I was on a ship and then when you're on a ship, you don't back then there was no internet. So I had to go over to another ship to get an email. So what happened was I was on a ship. It was like September and the Marine Corps cuts off their, their what's called boat spaces to re-enlist. And I missed out on, on my boat space, my opportunity to re-enlist because I was on ship. I didn't hear about it. I would have re-enlisted immediately. Mm. So I talked to my career planner. He was a big six foot four EOD guy, right? Just big guy. We're all scared of him. That plays in the store here shortly. So I, I lost my opportunity. So he comes to us. He goes, hey, uh, you can't re-enlist unless you go infantry, 0311. I'm like, oh, hell no. I, I'm, <laughs> no. I'm admin. These hands do not get the infantry life. Not at all, right? But once a Marine, always a Marine. So I took a, um, a helicopter from one ship to the other and emailed the Commandant of the Marine Corps and laid out why I should re-enlist. 
I get back the next day, that six foot four EOD guy's in my face. What are you doing? Are you out of your mind? I'm like, can I re-enlist? Yes, as infantry. I'm like, I'm good, man. <laughs> so when I got back off ship, it was like January of next year. I got back off ship and I went to the armor recruiter, signed some contracts. And as I was getting out of the, uh, the Marine Corps, I was enlisting in the army. It was, it was a smooth transition. Now, see, you had mentioned the Space Force. I know there wasn't Space Force back then, but why the army? I mean, and you're talking about like these hands. <laughs> I still consider like army a little rough and ready compared to some of the other branches. So once you leave the Marine Corps and you do all the Marine Corps training, the Marine Corps boot camp, right. the field training, the army is the easier life. So I wanted an easier life for myself and my family. So right. I, I definitely knew it was an easier life. And the Air Force wasn't taking a Marine, Marine guy. So I was like, uh, I better go to the Army. <laughs> I know. I keep jokingly saying that we take everybody over here. <laughs> so it's a big force. Nine toes. You don't need all 10. What are they going to come over nah, here? We're good. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, so we got, we got your branches, but where, where did you get to go? Did you get to go anywhere exciting? So in the Marine Corps, you know, we did training. I spent, I spent 45 days in Italy in the Marine Corps in no the way. field. In the field training, I'm like, what? So that was that was a time that, that Tupac died. I remember getting stars in Trust Magazine, getting that. But listen, we had a Mediterranean float, a med float. Oh, wow. um, and we we went around and I've been to Greece, I've been to Spain, Road of Spain. We, we went to a lot of different places, but in all my years of service, I never was stationed overseas. Never. 25 wow. years of service, I spent probably 22 or 23 years on the East coast. I have no idea why. The army. That's why you join the army. That's what it's like. People join the service to see the world. And then they end up, you know, like my job in the army, those guys get stuck down at, in North Carolina. No, you I, call I it getting stuck. <laughs> we deployed. I went to Sarajevo. Yeah. I went to Iraq. You know, I went, I, you know, we, we deployed, but Never stationed overseas, though. I was pretty surprised and shocked the whole time. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's like I I actually really appreciate it. I love the travel aspect of it. And I always, it always blew my mind that service members would just stay on base, play video games, and never leave base. They never leave camp or wherever they're at to go out and explore, go where the locals go. You know, it's like, why go there and then go to the McDonald's? So, because it's good it's, it's good food, it's that's good why. i don't believe they're like well, mcdonald's is different they have the food that's to that area <laughs> you know that's right <laughs> so i was just like no, no 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 you gotta go where the locals go so it's just i i love that aspect of the military and the fact oh, yeah. that we have folks that we serve with that are from different areas so we always have a couch to bum off and you know somewhere to stay but with you just mentioned about your vast experience, so I'm really curious as to maybe one or two folks that took you under their wing, like earlier on in your career, and then maybe somebody, you know, shout out for somebody later on in your career. So early in my career, I had, and this is this is while I was in the army. So I was in the army. This was year two in the army. Mm. I was assigned to the Pentagon. I was assigned wow. to the the chief of staff of the army's office, General Shinseki. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. I'm going, I'm going to my dream job. As a New Yorker, I would visit Washington, D.C. every other year, Jersey Shore, the other year of the years. I would visit every other year and I'd dream of being in the Pentagon one day. I didn't want to go to the military. 
I want to work in the Pentagon. Work in the Pentagon. Wow. So, so when I got an opportunity, I'm like, this is so cool. So he had a staff of like nine people. And I was one of those. My first mentor came from that organization. His name was Chief Warrenser 5, Dan Logan. Look him up. This guy is, is phenomenal when it comes to the Army. And this is the reason why we connect so, so well, because he was an older guy. I admit, I'm like, this guy wants to mentor me because he was a Marine. That's why. So he took me under his wing. He said, listen, you're a Marine. I'm a Marine. I'm an Army guy now. We're both Army. But he wanted to, to make me the next him. So he encouraged me to go to War Officer School. I was, I was a 42 Alpha or I was a 71 Lima back then, which was an executive administrative assistant. I, again, these hands. You're dating yourself? <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I don't care. <laughs> so I was a 71 Lima. And as they were merging those MOSs, he told me, he goes, listen, you can go to War Officer School. You can do a lot of different things. What do you want to do? One day I was walking on the Pentagon and I saw this, this badge. I didn't know what it was. It was a career counselor badge. I'm like, chief, I think I want to be a career counselor. He goes, let's make it happen. So as General Shinseki was leaving his office, people were getting assignments to Hawaii, assignments to MEPS. I want to be a career counselor. So they signed the paperwork off. I didn't do like retention NCO duty. And people hated me for that. But I got into school. And then I made a name for myself by creating the Army Reenlistment website, uh, creating an Army Reenlistment app. I would make a name for myself all, all because Chief Warrenser 5, Dan Logan, inspired me to do something more than just what I was doing right now. I loved it. Well, that's incredible. I'm, I didn't know that. That was like your foundational story for the app development too, right? Of just creating like all stuff like career related. Kind of thing. I'm a big old nerd, Mary Kate. I've always, people say, I want to take care of people. I say, how? Because I've done it my whole career. How do yeah. you do it? You got to find your niche. But the army That's didn't true. have a retention website. I'm like, this is 2004. Why don't you website? Well, we don't want to invest money. Well, I'll build it myself. Now, my first trial. Yeah, I'd like to see what that looked website. like. <laughs> hey, <laughs> if you go back, if you go to a website called The Wayback Machine, you can go to any website and go back and they'll show you what it was like. It was garbage. Oh, I didn't but know that. It was my oh, creation cool. though. <laughs> I was like, for our viewers that can't see your face, he just like perked up, puffed his chest out. He's very proud yeah. of that. <laughs> Heck yeah. So that's hilarious. Uh, well, I, I really love that aspect because now I'm starting to piece together all the things about that launched you. Cause that, you still do that now. I still, lead, I still lead the team, our Marine team. I've got mm -hmm. three or four volunteers now do a wonderful job. I'm more hands-off. I'm more of the face, if you call right. it that. But I give guidance and mentorship, and they, they do all the work. Well, that, that sounds like a <laughs> smart thinking. We're getting smarter, not harder. But I, right. I really, for again, for because of the amount of time that you spent in uniform, on active duty, both branches, do you have anybody else that, that sticks out sort of like later in your career uh, that was there, there's somebody or was it more so you giving out all that advice? No, no, no. Listen, we don't do this by ourselves, Mary Kate. So hundred percent. So when I was a career counselor, I was, I was told to apply to be an instructor at the schoolhouse, which is a great job. So I applied to be an instructor at the schoolhouse. The schoolhouse says, Hey, Hey, sorry, quick. 
you may want to also consider working at what's called Forces Command Retention Operations in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm like, that's a that's a high level job. I'm not very smart. They just thought I was smart because mm-hmm. of things I was doing. So I applied for both jobs at the urging of my leadership, and I got both jobs. I'm like, now I got to pick. So training the future of our field was cool, but the operations job, I can do a lot of operations and train too. So I chose to go to Force Com Retention, and I met Sergeant Major Marty Boyd Gray there. So she is phenomenal. She was the first female to be the 2ID Retention Sergeant Major the first female to be Fort Benning's sergeant major for retention. So she was like, she's actually in the hall of fame right now for recruiting retention. So she was very inspirational in my career. Mm -hmm. She propelled me to this career. She was very into fitness though. We worked out every day and we ate right too. One day on my office and I didn't think she was there because we got there early. So I'm there snacking on like these donuts, these mini donuts. She come in there. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't think you're here. She snatched this out of my mouth and threw it in the trash. She goes, that's not who you are. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. I'd okay, like fast, to meet her. Fast forward, fast forward um, like eight years, and I was in her position. Uh-huh. I and created, you still worked out every day. And no, not really. I don't <laughs> mostly. But I created a retention leadership award and named it after her. And it's still incredible. there today. That's incredible. Did you, you create all the criteria to earn it as well? Well, me and my, my operations team, Sonny Lizarraga and, and William Schaffhauser, we created yeah. this, the metrics, all this, but I named it after her. It's called the Retention Excellence Award in Leadership. The real award. That's right. I can do acronyms. <laughs> okay, now this is really all piecing together. I feel like <laughs> to avoid going down rabbit holes of private jokes here, but I was like, this makes total sense now. You are like the acronym You're welcome. king. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I mean, I absolutely, you're absolutely right. You can't do this alone. And you went through different transitions throughout your military career, which I think is important to highlight as well. And along the way, you had folks that they, they, built immediate rapport with you based on just, and that's why I love is because of how diverse we are. We all come from different walks of life, different parts of the country around the world. And, and then we bring something different to the team. But when you have that one thing, like again, Marines, you just got to be a Marine and they all flock together. Simplify. Uh, yeah. I don't, see, sometimes I feel like I, I can't even, I don't even have the right to say that, but I see that the S <laughs> backslash F and I'm like, Oh, can't do I can't use that but yeah I love that aspect it just we go through those transitions we can't do it alone we need to seek out either seek out that mentorship or you know be that good mentor that that great leader and turn around lean back and and pull up the ones coming behind you so I I love active learning I feel like I'm an active learner pride myself on that and continuously learning from probably dozens of mentors that I still have now uh, but I really want to talk about your transition because you went through multiple transitions throughout your career, but you also went through the big one, retiring. Yep. And you're still not like fully retired. Obviously, you still had to find a way to enter that into the private sector. So t- walk us through a little bit about what that looked like for you. 
So military transition can be easy or it can be hard. Mm-hmm. We choose by how we plan for it. Here's mine. So when I graduated the Sergeant Major Academy in 2014, I well actually in the academy, I started networking and I started mm-hmm. paying down debt because I knew the end was near. Whether it was five years, 10 years, the end was near. I can't stay forever. So I graduated the academy and went to Fort Drum, climbing to glory in New York. And I started paying down all my debt. We had a conversation, my wife and I, about how we can do this. So we, we did that. So when it comes to transition, I woke up one day. So I, I transitioned, what, three years after Fort Drum, I was at uh, Force Com Retention, working at, at the probably the second highest level in the Army when it comes to retention. The other one's in the Pentagon. I didn't want the job. I get down here, give them great three years. One day I woke up and now my wife's mom passed away while we were in Fort Drum. Her dad was dying now while I was at Fort Bragg and Force Com. My nephew was dying two hours away from me. I said, woke up one day, I'm like, hey, Jen, I think I'm done. What? I plan on doing 30 years. I'm, I'm, I'm at 24 mm. and a half years now. I said, I'm done. I can't give 100% anymore. I'm, I'm burnt out. And I've never said it before. I'm, not, I'm burnt out. So I went to my leadership, which is the now the SMA right now, Grinson. I went to him and said, listen, I'm, I'm done retiring. He gave me a great spiel on finances, all this stuff that I was doing, but he gave me a better, better opportunities. And I, he goes, how, how much time do you need? I'm like, I need two months. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm walking away. So I didn't take my year. I was oh, done wow. working two or months. two years, five, five months. I was out of the, I was out of the military. I was done. And this is where my second mentor comes in. He was my command sergeant major in the old guard, Jeff Stitzel. Mm-hmm. I feared him there because listen, I wasn't on his level, but now I reached out to him because he was transitioned. He had to, a good transition. I said, Hey, what do I do? I've got two months. He goes, do X, Y, and Z. Don't think about it. Just do it. I come back next day, next week. He goes, here's three more things. Do these things now come back. That's what it was. It was more of me reacting to what he was telling me because I trusted him. That's what it was. So I paid down debt. I've been networking for years. He, he got me in Mike Quinn's Mastering LinkedIn class. I learned LinkedIn in a matter of two months. Yeah. And then I, I joined Mike Quinn building higher military. But these things all come from networking and having mentors that we trust. They're yep. not just relationships we build off the, off the cuff. They're built over years. So that, for me, transition was easy for, for one reason only. I didn't have debt. That was big for me. Well, and, and you also mentioned uh, Jen, which, you know, how many years has it been? I know you celebrate 25 years now, 25 years. I know that's why I wanted you to say it out loud because I love that years. it is possible. I think people think like being in the military that we all end up in divorce or whatnot, but that you just a testimony and still of love. the trials. I don't know how she, she does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and goodness. And she's still like so young and good and y'all are out there doing 5Ks and golf cart competitions. Half marathons now. Crazy. Half marathons. Yeah, y'all are crushing it. That's why I like to say hashtag power couple. (laughs) The quick quick team. But I really appreciate you sharing that aspect of your transition because 
not only is it difficult for those who for at any point, whether you've done one contract, you're in three or four years or whatnot, or whether you did a whole entire career, 20, 30 years. But I actually found that, in my opinion, I think it's the ones that have been in longer that are having the harder time that need to start earlier, the two-year mark. If, if not, like you said, you're trying to prepare that at least to pay off that debt, knowing that it was coming, it was inevitable that you were going to step out of uniform at some point. But folks aren't thinking like that. I talk to so many service members and, and how many veterans you and I talk to every week who are right. like, I'm getting out in next month. With <laughs> and no I haven't plan. started anything with no plan. No, no, they don't even know what they want to do, what industry they want to work for. I'm like, name your dream company. Some of them can't even do that. So we just understand that it takes time. And part, a big part of that is not only in paying off your debt and getting your, your family situated financially, but developing the rapport. Because even for asking for letters of recommendation, or, you know, just being able to honestly say that I had been supporting this organization, volunteering, or I knew so-and-so for two years was some, what meant something. They were ready to reach out, put their name out there for me to get a job. And I know we can give uh, Corey Burton our, a shout out for, for taking up, for finding us off the, the corner. She <laughs> so. is phenomenal. And she won't, she's a recruiter that doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah, one critter that she just really understands where to to place people. I'm just like Harry Potter's magical sorting hat. <laughs> That's the true. Harry Potter fans out there don't. I was like probably not saying it right, but you know she just really knows where to how to properly place people and what will work for them and. And that's the folks that you want in your circle and your network to build rapport with and to get to know you. So I know again you're doing so many different things when when you got burnt out. Was there that sense of what's my purpose going to be? What what am I going to do now? How did you handle that? So when I was going through a military transition, I saw how difficult it could be for many people. This is why I chose to stay in this in this space to educate, to to share my experiences and to talk to more people, get their experiences, learn from them and share them as well. I didn't get my first paying job until I was out of the military for 10 months. I didn't need to work because I was good financially. I I never had the pressure to work. So we built a a small company that's pretty big now, hire military to to hopefully educate those that come after us because now we are the mentors. I'm not sure how long my shelf life is for this career transition space, but that's why I moved from just just military transition to career transition because now I've got a lot of experience. I've been laid off twice in the past two years now, uh, COVID, you know, uh, underperforming um, jobs when it comes to uh, getting revenue, there's, I've learned a lot. So I can use that experience to better educate and push people in the right directions that they want to go to. So career coach is what I am. So I can talk about resumes, I can talk about X, Y, and Z. And, and this is now my passion or my why, or more specifically, right my who, Mary-Kate. Oh, your who. That's an interesting ad there. So, my and, who and, is those, that, those people in, in military transition and career transition now. And I love that because I know, I, know it's not for, I know it's not for everyone. And some folks will say that, you know, why enter the transition space to help service members after the fact, if you are still going through your transition. But 
I really am of the belief, I feel like a quarter of my mentors were folks that were still transitioning, but it was nice to know that, that they were going through it with me and that my struggles or my bad days, that I could call them up and they could talk to me about how they got through their bad day and connect me with folks in their network. Because I, as those, even those who start last minute, they still end up starting with one person, one person in their network. And that person introduces them to someone else. And I can't tell you how many introductory emails I have written. I even wrote one earlier today, uh, just connecting two other veterans who I felt like needed to get to know each other based on what they're working on. So it, that's what it's all about. And I love that we're both in, the, in this space. And I love that you continue giving back. And I really want to take this time to, to talk about some of the nonprofit work that you're doing. I know you do some in the transition space, but I know you even started uh, an organization. I'd love to hear more about that. So before that, the reason, one of the reasons why I give back to military transitions, we don't charge money. I don't get paid for this, you know? Right. The, mil the military pays me well not to work for the rest of my life. I feel that I can give back a little bit of my time to those people, the organization that's given me and my family so much. That's why that's I give true. back. So America, you and I met at one of my now nonprofits that I worked with, which was Suiting Warriors. That one was, we gave suits away to people in, in military transition and not just, mil, not, just, not just men, but females as well, because everyone needs a good suit to feel powerful, you know, feel good, look good. You, you do good. So that's, that's since uh, disbanded because we just couldn't upkeep it. But we, I did find, well, with my sister-in-law, we founded the Dylan Quick Foundation. And this was, my nephew was dying of cancer. Well, he spent five years battling. So when he was in his last day or so, my sister-in-law had a conversation, my brother, would, would he mind if we created a foundation in his honor to memorize to give back, to, to make sure his name isn't forgotten. So we created that, and that's been three and a half years now that we run that, do uh, softball tournaments. We're trying to do a kickball tournament. An award from school, from his school, is handed out every year in his name. We give scholarships away. And this is a small, this is a small but powerful nonprofit. It's based out of Newburgh, North Carolina on the East coast and it's, mm -hmm. it's doing great work. It's a hard one to talk about because it's my brother's son that passed away, mm -hmm. but my sister-in-law needed this to get through what she was going through at the time. So I'm glad we started this thing and we, we, we maintain it today. I love that. And, and thank you so much for sharing that. And definitely would keep Dylan's name alive and going. And I think what a wonderful way to keep his memory and legacy alive. And what I really captured from that too, not only with getting your sister through that time and your family, but the community support that you got as well. Like you, you said, the school got involved and you have softball tournaments. So I just love the idea that the community really gathered around to support your family. Newburn High School now gives out an annual award called the Spirit of the Spirit of the Bear, which the Newburn Bears is what they are. Um, and it's now the Dylan Quick Spirit of the Bear Award. So every year, and it, this isn't the top academic person. This is the this is the person with the best character. There's so many, there's so many metrics to go into this, but you don't have to be smart or or be the best in sports. You can get an award too. And we love that. 
Oh, I really, I really, really love that a lot. And so that's just something, again, with, when you have the community, I think it was just like the common theme throughout what you're saying is just really having support and surrounding yourself with the right people that are going to have your back during the good times and the bad oh, times. Oh, and one thing about the foundation, yeah. Mary I, for, I forgot yeah. about this. Can't forget that, Matt. <laughs> uh, so, ever, so he passed away in Greenville, North Carolina, the Children's Hospital. Mm. So every year now for the past 12, since 2019, we have donations set up around New Bern for toys. So there's like 18 toy drops that it's, it's, it doesn't rival the Marine Corps toys for tots at all. This is a very small one, but we have, we deliver a U-Haul full of toys to the children's hospital the week before Christmas, because he was given so much of the hospital. It's our way of giving back. So I, I wear like a, um, a Christmas sport coat. I have one for my brother now. So we do that. So we're kind of like Santa's elves delivering toys there before Christmas. So that is a big hit. Gosh. And that's one of the things that we love giving back with. How wonderful is that? And I really love that it's the family too. So you got the community, but you also have, have your family uh, doing getting involved as well. And I'm trying to picture you, you throw on the beard. Have you tried growing out your beard? You know, you can now. I tried for a month. I hated it. My wife hated it. It looks dumb. So I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're still rocking the, the military clean cut here. I feel like, again, it's like once a Marine, always a Marine. Um, That's right. So, as far as advice goes that you have for folks that may be sort of stuck in a rut and they're trying to figure out how to find their purpose, get going, get motivated, get involved. So yeah, I, I talk to people every day and everyone, everyone seems to want to shoot for the Amazons, the Walmarts, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Teslas now. Sometimes you have to, I'm not saying lower yourself. I'm saying shoot for a small or medium-sized company because these companies, for, for me, my first job out of the military was 10 months after I retired. I, my mentor and I built this job for me. You know, small and medium companies can create jobs for you if they see the value. So they saw my value. They hired me to a director of people and culture to oversee their recruiting, to oversee their training and development, to, to look at that. I was let go at, at six months because of COVID. I get that. But nice. the, the whole world changed. But shoot for a small company that's looking to grow or a medium company looking to grow. The, the Chamber of Commerce has this information Talk to your mentors. And some people, I had a conversation today that someone that I went to the academy with says, hey, how can I be a, a motivational speaker? So I, I Googled real quickly, got an Indeed article, sent him his way, and now he's on the track to be a motivational speaker. Yes, that's an actual paying job, but you, you got to put the work into it. But again, paying down, you're paying off your debt, frees you up from, do, you know, from, from having to work you can do whatever you want, but you got to build your brand. Who is Matt Quick? Who is Mary Kate Saliva? Who are these people? You've got to figure out what you want to do, who you want to do it for, and just go after it. That's, uh, gosh, I almost had lost for words because I was like having a quick reflection my own, <laughs> on my own transition there. But coming full circle with that, 
you hit all the points about what I think that we went through during our own transition and sometimes still going through. But that financial freedom is so huge because it's just freedom to be able to have that ability for not sometimes not even just the service member, but your your spouse, for your family, your spouses to be able to take a step back and actually pursue. Maybe they had a gap in work experience. Now they're trying to get back in it. Like you said, COVID changed everything. The world changed. And so being able to think about what really matters in life and what kind of difference, what kind of impact we want to make. And a lot of that I find we can start just in our local communities. I talked, like you mentioned about with the the Amazons and the Teslas, like even just folks that veterans who are wanting to start their own business, they're, they're wanting to aim so high, so fast, and they grow so big and they lose control. But it's like, if you can start just even volunteering, just start with your local community, your problem doesn't have to be trying to, to solve the world problem, but even just like you mentioned, just in your town, getting getting the local pizza place involved and and run a softball tournament, you know, it just those kind of changes can really make a difference. That's absolutely right. I didn't even mention if I <laughs> talk to those every awesome. day. I, I I forgot to talk about upskilling and reskilling through through training. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing now? That's what she's talking about. What are you doing so, now, Matt? So what I do things. now is is I work with Project Management Institute. And one reason why I joined them is because they have a great brand. They have so much opportunities for growth. They have it's, it's coaching, training. It's, it's great. But I see a lot of our military transitioners that want to be or think they are project managers. So I'm like, well, how can we figure this out? So I, I found this program called Kickoff. So I, I tell everybody about it. If you go to pmi.org backslash kickoff, you can figure out it, it's a free course. You don't got to pay anything, but it's a free course that walks you through the basics of project management. And the cool thing is about it is I can earn two digital badges, Mary Kate, for my LinkedIn profile. That's, that's free <laughs> stuff the right there. <laughs> so, I mean, it's for me, I learn a little differently. I learn in small bite-sized content. And that's what this thing does. Small stuff because I'm not a fast learner. Small things, no long lectures. I absorb the lessons. And there's two methodologies, agile and waterfall. The military is more waterfall because like, oh, just one thing. But agile is like, oh, change makers this. So if you're listening, please go to pmi.org backslash kickoff. Simple stuff. Take the course, figure out if you're a project manager or not. Yeah, free and 45 minutes. I mean, you can't really well, it, do that over it took a me about an hour, Mary Kate. An hour. There's <laughs> <laughs> no time limit. Almost no uh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to start pushing out as an hour. But I mean, yeah, one of the big things I know we mentioned, Corey, one of the things that really drew me to PMI was just the amount of support that we have um, within the organization, just the the advocacy bucket, as some of our colleagues say, just being able to give back and being you and I being able to do what we're doing now, giving back to the military veteran community. I know it's like we speak to numerous spouses all the time to, to their families about how to utilize this. I spoke to, to one, you know, she she's a social worker and she's trying to pivot, wants to pursue project management. I've spoken to people who are entrepreneurs or who have started their own nonprofit organizations, but they're very interested in just 
a plethora of different things with upskilling. So again, to go back to that active learner thing, I don't, it's never too late to start. And just being, especially from the military veteran community of the numerous resources that you have available to get things for free or get support and, and funding and time. You know, a lot of it is just taking your time, taking the time to find out what you want to do and staying committed, sticking with it till you finish. Uh, that kickoff course can really teach you how to do that too. And what's, yeah. what's good about it is not, and I talked about careers also, PMI is, mm -hmm. is, is hiring a lot too. And people are like, well, I'm not a project manager yet. We hire way more non-project managers than oh, yes. project managers. <laughs> so don't think that, Absolutely. oh, I can't do that. Hey, just talk to your mentors, figure out what's out there because we don't know what we don't know. Just have the conversations, talk to your mentors. You'll figure out what it is you want to do and what you can do. And there's nothing to say that you can't do it while you're still in uniform before you enter your transition window. Yes. <laughs> right? Way before. <laughs> Way before. Nothing to say that you can't upskill and learn and, and just try out new things. I, I'm a huge proponent of volunteering your time because if you volunteer you not only learn skills outside of your military job, but you also get an opportunity to network and to learn other skills to grow, get that experience. And so, I mean, and, and of course, it's just for the greater good. I mean, it's, it's like a different type of feeling to, to be able to see the impact that you're making on other people uh, so, and, and just by giving back. So that's why Absolutely. I love with about Veteran Voices. Matt, is, how do people get a hold of you if they don't already know your name already as your LinkedIn celebrity? So listen, not how very many people know who Matt Quick is yet. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. But listen, I'm primarily on LinkedIn. If you just search LinkedIn, Matt Quick. Now, if you Google my name, you may find my link, but you won't see this face. This face is only available for those people on LinkedIn with an account. That's my oh, settings. That Sorry, everybody. Yeah, but get on LinkedIn, just search Matt Quick. You'll see me. Uh, I got a banner for coaching and I my tagline is I coach people through career transition. You'll find me easy. Reach out, connect or follow. Doesn't matter to me, but learn how to use LinkedIn. Learn how to network, build network out. Your network becomes very, very valuable to you. Thank you. Fantastic advice. Did I leave anything out? Anything? else you wanted to add got your plugs in there that i feel like as soon as i close stuff. out you're gonna say i need i have another story to tell but for real all our listeners today reach out connect with matt quick matt well he he has a plethora of experience and way more stories than we had time to share today uh, but reach out to him on behalf of the entire team here at veteran voices we invite you to find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. A big thanks to Brian Arrington and our partners at Best to Industry. And this is Mary-Kate Saliva wishing you all a fantastic, wonderful day wherever you are. Get home safe, stay motivated, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.